the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Ti Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Golden Knights game starts up at 6:30. Get on down here, bet the game. Uh, also, if you want to bet the draft, it's closing up, right? Is it five or four? I hope we five o'clock. Five o'clock. 24 hours before they close it up. Don't like it, but those are the rules. So if you want to bet the draft, you got to bet it now. So get it if, you're not, if you're not coming down to uh, the sportsbook here at the Golden Circle, get up on your apps. Take advantage of it. It's going to make it a lot of fun and uh, early has, or already has, and has added a bunch to our, our program. All right, let's get into it. The frenzy. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, the character. Great. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. He's, he's got his fifth-year option picked up. Going to make almost $19 million next year. We'll see if he gets that monster deal in the future. But off the field, super entertaining, great actor, great in commercials. And uh, always kind of thought-provoking. I know he talked about UFOs in the past. Is he now talking about Bigfoot? Well, he saw a UFO, according to him, uh, this offseason. And it was an, an incident down in Austin, and he claimed he saw it. Other, some other people said that they saw it, too. There were some photos released. doesn't really appear to show a UFO. Uh, not sure what it is, but I, I don't believe that they're UFOs. Uh, Baker Mayfield has taken some abuse for this, though. And he finally spoke to the media he had a zoom session uh, going into this draft and he took it one step further he said i'm a firm believer in ufos and sasquatch it's real i saw it i'm i'm glad the navy finally confirmed some more pictures now everybody doesn't think i'm as crazy as i or no not everybody thinks i'm as crazy i believe is he part of the documentary on hulu I don't think is this so. Is all a, all a push? All a work? Oh, everything. So that I about, watch it? Well, is he going to show it on the big screen at the stadium where he lives? He should. In the stadium's <laughs> empty for a while here. Uh, there's no Sasquatch, bro. There's just not. Are you sure? Yes. How do you know? Because every photo ever has been proven a hoax. Yeah. And, like, some of these things now. So, yeah, 20, 30 years ago. Some things could be believed because you're, nobody really, you know, there's not cameras everywhere. There's not people, you know, people don't have cameras with them all the time. Uh, so you could see something and be like, hey, I swear I saw it. I know I didn't get a photo, but I saw it. Literally everyone has a camera in their pocket at all times now. Literally everyone. So, like, these things are just not, you can't really believe them anymore. So in the past, like, okay, it's a little silly. You believe in those things. Fine, whatever. If you believe in them now, you're just insane. All right, definitive. If you believe that Antonio Brown can last a season and be a productive player, should you also believe in Sasquatch? No. That's a much more likely possibility. Is we've it? seen it. Is it? Yes, we've seen it. It's happened. Okay. He's back? With the Bucks, He's back. I don't know what that Why means. Because I don't know what it means. Um, and I know that there was a lot of talk that the Bucks, you know, would go wide receiver in the first round with their draft pick because A.B. wasn't in the mix yet. 
Godwin is going coming up on the last year of his. Or it's not even a contract. He's playing on a tag. So, oh wow. Um, you know, well, I mean, they, they could still. Well, they a lot of people. I'm good. They had him going wide receiver. Yeah. Don't they have enough young guys that they couldn't even play last year? Well, uh, Scotty Miller is very inconsistent. If Godwin's gone and AB's gone, now that's three of your main. You know, the main right. players that you have on the roster. And if Godwin's gone, it's still a possibility down the road. Right. And so and after this year, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was a strong possibility. I changed it. Oh, my God. Based we'll on get into your mock draft with, 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 with Caleb Herring coming up here. I mean, there's, there's so many flaws. What? Well, first of all, I, I do like it because I will win my bet. So I hope this happens. I have over five oh, and a half quarterbacks. The, 30, the 32nd I, pick? I, I bet the over five and a half quarterbacks. In the first round at plus 335. I think it's plus 380 now. You have Davis Mills, quarterback of the future, 32 to the Bucks. Yeah. Wow. For a couple of reasons. Like I said, I had a wide receiver. I like the write-up. Okay, hear me out. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, I, I did have a wide receiver in almost every mock draft leading up to this one. Um, it, it would make a little bit of sense, though, right? They have everybody back. Tom Brady, listen, at some point he's going to stop playing. At some point. Um, they they don't have their backups back in the mix yet. They haven't really decided who to go with. I mean, Gabbert, I guess, uh, but that's not a quarterback of the future for sure. Why would you not bring in a prospect quarterback that you can say, all right, listen, train under Tom Brady for for a year, two years, however long Tom Brady's going to play, learn under him, get mentored by him, and then take over. And I know that didn't really work with Garoppolo because Brady just kept playing. But, like, it makes sense to to groom someone. You don't have a need at 32. You have every single starter back plus some of your depth guys back. So you don't have a glaring need right now uh, on either side of the ball. And if you pick a quarterback, or anybody really, but if you pick a quarterback in the first round, which is the last pick of the first round, you get that extra year of team control. So now if he has to sit for two years, that's fine because then Brady steps away. You still have a pretty good roster. You've got a quarterback that you've been mentoring for two years, and you've still got him on a rookie deal under team control for three more years. Makes sense to me. Coming up next, we'll see how much of this mock draft that Adam just released at about uh, 2 o'clock today makes sense to Caleb Herring. I'm sure he was snickering a bit as I was looking down the list. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Firm believer in UFOs and Sasquatch. Um, It's real. I saw it. I'm glad the Navy finally confirmed some... uh, some more pictures. Uh, now everybody doesn't think I'm as crazy. Um, <laughs> I believe. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Baker Mayfield. He's not crazy. He's not crazy. That might have been for a commercial. I don't know. He's got such a good acting career. Underway. You never know what he's doing. Caleb Herring's with us, UNLV, former UNLV quarterback. He's not the current quarterback. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked at the fact that Adam Hill is not a Sasquatch believer. I Like, I didn't I see that coming. And even more so that his reasoning for why there is no Sasquatch. I mean, like, everybody has cell phones. 
it's, it's cool and all if you know you're expecting Sasquatch to be like wandering wandering around downtown Las Vegas or something. But I mean, there's untouched land in Russia and in, in, in the Antarctic, you know, the things like that where he could be, you know, living amongst us. So I'm shocked that Adam Hill is not into this. So I thought you'd be like the conspiracy guy. So you're a Sasquatch guy. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. I just think <laughs> that I can entertain it. I can entertain I that too. somebody else maybe thinks that he's there. Are and you... It's fun. It's fun to think that something else lives amongst us that's, you know, maybe able to squash us with his bare hands, you know? Where do you stand on Nessie? Ah, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, huh? I think, you know, that... Nessie, you're an idiot. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? How does Caleb know what he's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Loch Ness Monster, I think, is a little different because that's confined to one place, right? Like, I mean, I, it, it's pretty easy. We know where this lake is. We know... You know how big it is, the depths of it. I don't think there's something that could be hidden there at this point. But the Earth is not yet fully, you know, discovered. There's, you know, depths of the ocean and places in Antarctica. We just can't live. We can't be there. So I, I mean, there's possibilities there. But Nessie, I, I'm off that bandwagon. It was fun while it lasted, but Nessie's dead. I think they live together somewhere. <laughs> well, they would have to live at Lake Loch Ness, wouldn't they? Like together? I mean, we'd, we'd see them though. But, no, I think yeah. Nessie moved a long time ago. <laughs> so now they can relocate. These, yeah. these fictitious monsters of our memories can can move and, and vacation in different places. I think now so. We're, just, we're in shambles now. Will Will Mac Jones and Justin Fields vacation together? I, I don't know. Was that does that work? Who's being picked? <laughs> is, that a, is that a takeaway? <laughs> yeah, who's I, being... think, I, I think the indicators are that Mac Jones will go first. I think we'll discover Mac Jones as you know a forty nine er before. We discovered Justin Fields at, hmm. at that number three pick. I think that's kind of the indicator here. Um, I think there was some interest, and I, I could see personally um, Justin Fields, and I think he should. I think he's the better um, overall talent uh, as far as potential and what he could be in the NFL. I, I would like him to go third to the 49ers, but um, all indications point to Matt Jones uh, ending up in San Francisco, which, you know, the, the way he plays and the, the kind of offense that I think Shanahan wants to have, I think Matt Jones does fit, but. Um, I, I think if we're, if I was assessing the talent of the two and the potential of the two, I'd, I'd go Justin Fields first. But looks like Max is coming off the board first there. It does look like it. I, I mean, I think Fields should be the guy. I think I'm, I'm all in Fields. I do want to get your just your thoughts on how we analyze quarterbacks because there is a lot of discussion about this. And the Justin Fields not processing information thing, I can't tell you how mad it makes me. Like, Justin Fields is a literal genius. And I know it's it, you know book smarts don't necessarily translate to the field all the time or whatever, but like we hear the same analysis over and over and over again of you know black quarterbacks, and it's completely insane, especially with Justin Fields. It's it's very exhausting, and I you know trying to fight that stereotype has been you know something I've obviously done and gone through my life where if you're you know, it went from if you're a black quarterback, you're automatically called basically an athletic quarterback, which, you know, I guess isn't a, a negative thing, but it does give, you know, the stereotypical black guys are athletes and that's all they're good at. Um, so then you have to do extra to prove your, your you know, the 80% of the game is bu- bu- above the shoulders, you know, that you're mentally there. Um, so it, it is exhausting to have to, to, to process the fact that somebody could, is capable of, intellectually processing the game better than they are physically. And I, I think, you know, non-athletic quarterbacks, we'll just say, and traditional quarterbacks have always had had to lean on uh, the mental aspect of the game and outthinking the game 
So um, when you when you got a guy that scrambles a lot and runs a lot, it's easy to say like, oh, the reason he does that is because he can't process the game mentally, and that's couldn't be farther from the truth. Sometimes your physical attributes as a quarterback, as a runner, as an athlete, are just the best option on any given play. Uh, you see that with Lamar Jackson. No matter how accurate he is passing the ball, sometimes the guys just aren't open. Him running the ball is probably the most dangerous thing, the most feared thing in the NFL right now. Um, and with Justin Fields, the knock, I guess, has been he doesn't ever get to his second read. You know, he looks at one side of the field. And you could say that that's the issue if he's throwing, you know, 30% completion or 50% completion, under 50% of his passes are completed. But the first option at Ohio State was often open. And, you know, the second option even was always open. So to knock a guy for not being able to process the game because he doesn't get to his second, third option every play or because he uses it as athleticism maybe more than you would like to is just asinine to me. And it's, it's an, a dinosaur's way of thinking about the game of football, especially from the quarterback perspective. And I can't help but say and project and, and make it known that this does have racial ties. There's a connection racially to specifically the quarterback position uh, of how people perceive the mental capacity of black athletes as opposed to their white counterparts. And, and especially at the quarterback position in the NFL, it's, it's, a, it's an age-old debate, a dilemma that um, I thought we've made. I think we've made a lot of progress that uh, you look at the top quarterbacks across the NFL and who they are and the, the people of color that have now made their way into that list. Um, but I do think that in this draft overall, I think uh, Justin Fields has gotten the short end of the stick as far as the way he's been projected, covered, and scrutinized in the media's eyes. And it's unfair. I think he's the number two quarterback in this draft, and that's, this is my personal opinion. Um, but I think the way he's been covered and, and scrutinized and picked apart in this draft uh, kind of has, has dropped his draft stock. And don't get me wrong, number four, number five overall is still great, and I, you know he'd be happy to be that pick. But uh, I think he should be uh, the number two quarterback in this draft off the board, and that's that's just my personal opinion. Where do you rank Trey Lance, and how good can he be? I, it's, it's very hard. I, I think he has tools. Um, I think the fact that he played at North Dakota State, um, and then he didn't play at all really last year. You know, it, there's there's not much to go on as far as assessing how he would measure up in a draft. I don't think personally he's a top ten pick. Um, I don't, and that's just based on the lack of information that's out there about him playing in games against quality competition. Um, the game film that I did see about from him in the championship, uh, the, the championship, the last championship was, I, I didn't see a guy that went out and dominated the field like I would expect an NFL caliber top 15, top 20 pick to do. Um, I think there's other quarterbacks that, maybe project quarterbacks that you've seen enough of that you can assess more. Um, and it's not that I don't think he's talented enough. I think he's he, the size, the, the running ability, and, and things like that. I just am not sold as far as if I put my GM hat on. I'm not sold enough to say I'm going to jump up here into the top 20 to get him. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, I could see why, if you're drafting potential, you would go after a guy like him after watching his pro day, his measurables, and, and the limited film he does have um, without playing this last year. I think there is you know, room to, to take a risk, essentially. And uh, just if I'm going to jump quickly to your draft board, I, I don't mm. think the Patriots are the team that take that risk. But we'll get into that later. We can get into it now. That's, 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 that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I mean, I I kind of think the Patriots are going to try to trade for Garoppolo, but um, I, I thought, you know, I, I think they need to get a quarterback, and I think – yeah, I think they. I think they started this process believing that Mac Jones would be the one that would fall, and then they could trade up and get him. But I do think there might be 
a situation where Belichick doesn't he's not going to be there for 20 more years like I think he needs to get needs to get somebody and go and if he sees that there's only one opportunity left for one of the top quarterbacks maybe that would be the way to get way to do it you know I I could see that as a scenario but I I think the Patriots and this is just the way they the way they kind of treated Tom Brady when he was there and the way Belichick in, in particular treated Tom Brady when you know Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of being chosen and groomed to be the next guy, which, you know, if, if that was his plan, that's where they'd be now. So, I, And I agree with you saying that the Patriots possibly getting Jimmy G back into the fold is definitely a possibility. Um, but I, where I will part with that is I don't think that Belichick, his way of thinking, I think the Patriots as an organization have demonstrated that they do not overvalue the quarterback position like the rest of the NFL seems to. Um, and they understand whether it's having a talented guy and not wasting all of your resources on that guy. Um, I think that they understand that team building is more important than having a quarterback of the future, so to speak. Um, and you see that, you know, in Cincinnati, where now they have a quarterback as a torn ACL, but they have you know, really not enough pieces around him to maximize his ability. And then you, you go to the Buccaneers. You have Tom Brady, but you have to have a team also. So I think the Patriots have shown a willingness to build a team first and make the team okay before going after their guy. Now, interesting at that take, I could see the Patriots trading up. And in a, a weird scenario that does not follow your draft board, it's because it would have to require Kyle Pitts falling to that pick. But I could see the Patriots building a team that is kind of Cam Newton-proof, I guess, and as, as far as attacking the game, relying on the run game, and then getting back to playing solid defense to get to the playoffs and win late in the season. I think the Patriots drafting Kyle Pitts to compliment Hunter Henry, and this is just wild fantasy. Hunter Henry, who's a solid tight end in his own right. Um, they've had a two-tight end dynamic duo, so to speak, that ravaged the league before um, with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. So I could see them building up a team that kind of resembles that team, where they're not explosive, they're not you know the fastest team, but because of the, their flexibility with their 22 personnel, their two tight end sets, they're able to offensively scheme you into better situations and then play solid defense and, and play keep away, low-scoring, ugly football, but they get to the playoffs and, and have home field advantage. So I, that's kind of my scenario that kind of deters away from everybody else's draft where it has Kyle Pitts going four or five, depending on who you're talking to. I, I agree with almost everything you said. I will, I will pick out one part of it and ask you a question off of it. You said that the Patriots – haven't shown to, you know, they haven't proven to overvalue the quarterback. They built the team around it and put the quarterback there. I get it. Like, I agree with you. Did last year change that? No, I, I, I honestly don't think so. And I, because they weren't able to play the defense required to have that style of football. And a lot of that had to do with the opt-outs that hit them, that they were one of the most heavily impacted teams for, for the opt-out reason. Um, and their roster just wasn't complete. They had one, they're, they're, they weren't, get equipped to deal with out Tom Brady. They had kind of built this offense that relied on a, a surgical quarterback, um, kind of neglected the run game for so long, and kind of couldn't get back to, to doing those things. I think with Cam Newton as kind of an experiment year, and you know this is indicated by him coming back, I think as an experiment year for Cam Newton, they showed us flashes of what their offense could be. And in those first three games, I think they were competitive. They were a very competitive team. Uh, Cam Newton, you know, there was a game against, I think, the Seahawks where he looked like an MVP. There was, you know, a couple of games that he was very dominant in when he was using his legs and read option and run scenarios. 
when the press asked the question, you know, Belichick put on his stale face and said, you know, we're not going to design our offense around that. I think that after assessing the situation, they realized they maybe have something here and could build a team to play that way. And who knows if that's the direction they're going. But I don't think that Belichick or the Patriots organization is at all hard-pressed to go after a quarterback that high if it's not absolutely the guy. And if they haven't had their team built up the way they want it to begin with. And I think a lot of that starts with getting that defense back, um, those opt-outs that will be coming back this year, and, and, and other free agent signings that are going to bolster up that defense again and make them a, a, a contender as far as a top 10, 15 defense in the NFL. I think that's where they're going to make their money, uh, as the Patriots organization has shown time and time again. Caleb Herring, football insider, played at UNLV, calls the games now. We've got two minutes left here, Caleb. I do want to ask you about news of the day in the NFL, in the division. Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos. Big upgrade over Drew Locke, or is this going to be a 50-50 challenge to see who gets the job? I think it's a big upgrade. I think the game management side of Teddy Bridgewater, he's shown that he's, you know, with a, with a good defense, with the Broncos are projected to have a top-ten defense uh, this year, with, you know, the young weapons in Jerry Judy and, and Sutton on the outside a running game, a, a solid threat at running back with Melvin Gordon, I think uh, it, he's a good fit for what that team should be. As, you know, Taking care of the ball, possession-extending quarterback who's, who's smart and, and savvy with what he's doing under center. Um, a contrast to Drew Locke, he threw 15 interceptions last year. Now, granted, you know, you had uh, Teddy Bridgewater with 11 interceptions, but he was there was a lot more ass of him in Carolina last year with Christian McCaffrey going down, and obviously he was dealing with injuries of his own as well, so um, I think it's a good fit. I think it's an upgrade for that roster. I think uh, it does put the Raiders in a bit of a pickle because um, they're they're tangling with the Chargers now, who are going to be in transition for that bottom spot as far as projections in the in the division. But um, I do think that's a good signing for the Broncos. And a lot of teams may have missed on one with with Teddy Bridgewater being that guy to kind of it's not a bridge quarterback, it's a guy that gets you over the hump and, and puts you right in the thick of things as far as the playoff contention goes. Great job, Caleb. We'll talk to you. Thank you. All right, guys, have a good one. Take care. Enjoy the draft. Yes, we will. No doubt. No doubt. Tracking Adam Hill's mock draft. We're going to get to more of this in the 5 o'clock hour. Up next, though, we get to the fat pack. We uh, talk food every day, so we're now going to do that every day at 4.30. And uh, looky here, uh, another potential fight is brewing on the Internet, on Twitter, between Ryan McKinnell, who is flipping out again about bag cheese. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside TI. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes, and suddenly you're sighing sighs. All right, time for the fat pack, a little food talk. Maybe just talk about fat asses. We'll start out before we even get to the food stuff. Uh, Kevin Love used to be a fat ass. He's not anymore. Um, I'm I'm a little uneasy on the stir with Kevin Love because we've talked before about his mental health issues. So I never, you know, once we find out about something like that, I don't want to freaking slam someone. But he's been slammed, and now we got a follow-up to what happened the other day. First of all, set people up. What happened the other day? He was frustrated after a... uh, after giving up a basket, or his team gave up a basket, not necessarily him, and he just kind of like dropped the ball into play. So instead of inbounding the pass to somebody, he just frustratingly dropped the ball out in the court and gave gave, gave up some points. Not ideal. 
uh, it was a very weird scenario where he just kind of walked over to the sideline and he's like, take the ball, go ahead and score. It, it's odd. And I was waiting to see the explanation of what happened or did he think there was a timeout or like what did he think had happened? And it was just like, eh, happens. I was frustrated, kept playing defense, but it happens. Uh, no, it doesn't. He talked about it, said he screwed up. The reality of it is, is I f***ed up. Everybody knows that. You know, I'm going to speak. It's almost going to be like a therapy session for me right now because I'm going to lay, lay a lot out there. Um, you know, I, I love this team first and foremost. I know that I f***ed up. You know, I apologize for that. I don't, I don't go out there intending to upset anybody, uh, to embarrass myself, to embarrass the organization, um, because I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself here. Okay, that's a good start. I didn't need an apology. Um, frankly, I said yesterday it's a move I would make in a basketball game. Just be like, screw it, give it to the other team. Yep. Well, this just, was just, this just was pissed. this was number two though, because I think the first one just went over like, Wait, what? He's just like that yeah, happens. The intention of the play. I've been thinking a lot over the past year. Intent versus impact, right? You know, my intent wasn't to disrespect the game. My intent wasn't even for the damn ball to go in bounds. It was it was a, a moment that I got caught up in. Um, I didn't even understand what really happened as, as the, the possession even played out. Okay. And now that he's seen it, he's like, oh, boy, that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> what was that? My idea was that I was going to go grab the ball and pass it right back into to DG. You know, but that obviously wasn't the case. But I didn't realize how bad it looked really until after the game. Uh, I truly didn't. And then after that, I just completely shut down because um, I never want that to be who I am. I don't want that. I don't want to have to be here and defend my character. Okay. So we're going to let it rest, or is he saddled with this forever? I, mean, I think it's one of those plays that we're going to look back on forever and be like, what was that? And it'll be kind of brought up and be silly. Um, like the, it kind of reminds me of the, the J.R. Smith of like, where are you, where are you going? What are you doing? Uh, it was like one of those kind of moments. We just never forget it. But it's, it's not, I don't think it's going to be his legacy or anything like that. But it's going to be one of those moments in history. If anybody ever does it again, you pull the Kevin Love. That's you're going to have to live with that. Yeah. All right, so that's not exactly what we do on the Fat Pack, but we will talk about rotund people every once in a while. Sure. Um, every day we talk about food. So, yeah, we got the Fat Pack now on a daily basis. We have quite the crew that can cook. We, we really can't. I try, but I'm on the, Thank you. I'm on the lower rung. You can't. Uh, we have guys who are really into presentation, and we have competitive dudes, right? So Michael Felder hasn't been on in a while. We're going to try to get him on tomorrow, our college football insider. And Mike's Mike's a nut, man. He he loves to cook. Like I saw over the weekend, he was making something, and he showed like a tray of rolls, and I was I was like so flabbergasted. I'm like, "You're baking?" And he's like, "Yep, do it all the time." So today he pops up uh, his his tweet. He goes, uh, "Just three pizza pies today." All right, let's make a right. pizza at home. Uh, kiddo has the shapes for uh, pep and salami. Wife is getting pepperoni and sausage, Detroit style. And I'm going to treat myself to a nice uh, supersod and jalapeno with hot honey and red flake. I mean, what is happening? This, this is, is incredible. It's a bit much. Now, first of all, I, I do want to go. I, do I have insane. to now buy a pizza oven? And, and, no. and just so you know, I 
of course, I, I already made the offer to Von Tobel because Von Tobel and McKinnell already had like a slow Kirker weekend showdown without really setting it up. And McKinnell just is stuck on this. Well, first of all, JVT accused McKinnell of using chicken that he got from Costco in a chicken dish. And then McKinnell's comeback was, I see you're using bagged cheese for your pork dish on Saturday. So I pointed to both of them. I'm like, do we want to have a pizza cook-off? Because this is the standard. Well, it sounds like they were actually like making like the sausage and the pepperoni. <laughs> like They were cutting it themselves, uh, which is a little, a little excessive. Yeah, you don't need a pizza oven. I would want to get one, not even for the oven. I just like those really long, like, uh, the things you serve, that you pull them out, the pull it out of the oven on. Yeah. Like the long, the long wooden it. spatula. I, I, I get it, yeah. The, but the thing. giant one, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Now, I, I was I watching, I was watching a guy at one of the, you know, there's a bunch of different pizza places. They'll, they'll, you know, you get the ingredients and they make the pizza for you. I was watching this kid, like, work the, the super long spatula, but he was like, He's going in because you got to spin Sounds it. Sounds creepy. You get, well, you got well, you got to spin it right, and he's going in there, and he's just like the spin, the spin, the spin. I'm like, man, that's like that's a real skill. Oh yeah, for sure. I would like to learn that part of it, uh, but no, I'm not getting a pizza oven. Uh, but going back to when you said the presentation of the food, yep, I know. If you're taking time to make it look good, it's probably not good. We've uh, we've had this argument before, and you've been shot down. Every every person no. on the show who cooks feels it's important. It's not. It is. Angel agrees. Yeah, you can't just throw. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't. I'm. I'm an animal, so I. I don't. It doesn't matter that much to me presentation. But how? Why would it matter any? It's part of the deal, man. You no, want it you to look eat appetizing. Food, you don't look at it. Wow. You play that theme. We're playing more of the restaurant theme, and and people are into. That's what. That's what social media does. You put it up there. It's the look of the food too. If you put up some, you know, not personally, but you, if you put up some barbecue. And it looks dry as hell. People go freaking crazy. I threw up my steak. I put well, your steak there. was great. I mean, you and Gramala, your, your steak is, I mean, and Gramala's doing it on purpose. He's like, he's eating crap on purpose. I think it's probably I think good. he's making two steaks. He's making one that's good, and he's making one for the web. And the one for the web goes right to a dog. I would say for the most part, when, it, when something, and I'll, I'll even say this at restaurants. When you go to restaurants that take so much time to really, really present something on a plate, you're like, eh. Put the food on the plate. Let's go. JVT has now jumped on our live video. By the way, we are live right now. We're rolling live up on Facebook, up on Twitter. Uh, he's got McKinnell, and then because he can't put emojis in, he's just got clown face, clown face. <laughs> <laughs> he's really fired up about this, as he should be. That's, I mean, McKinnell pretended to be cooking from scratch, and he put pieces of a rotisserie chicken in. I don't know that he did. I think he... he Why ru- was it on the counter? Because he rushed to start cooking. He went shopping, and he hadn't packed everything away, and he was doing prep for the meal, and the chicken was still out. He rushed? We got texts over a seven-hour period. <laughs> What's rushing? I don't know. The, all that time, the chicken was out there. What's it doing? out? If you're not going to eat it, you're putting it in the fridge. He ate that chicken. Maybe he ate it in addition to whatever he cooked, but the, he definitely ate that chicken that day. Let's get you set up with uh, what's going on for the Derby this weekend and also some last-minute tips on betting the NFL draft. As you got to get your bets in here in Vegas in 15 minutes as Brian Blessing from Sports Grid Radio is on the way. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.
It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All right, let's do it. Time to get some winners. By the way, last 10 minutes in Vegas. You got to get your bets in. Got to get your bets in on the NFL draft. Brian Blessing is with us, Sports Grid Radio Network. Brian, what's up, buddy? Uh, hey, Steve, if you've ever seen Adam at Chick-fil-A, presentation doesn't matter. I know, uh, but I'm not going to argue with him because he's, he's, no, he's you're a simpleton. No, Who, he's uh, agreeing. Uh, it doesn't I'm matter. I'm agreeing with him. I'm agreeing with him. I'll stop. Yeah. Both of you. For food competitions, presentation matters. When you Come on, when you go to a nice restaurant, you would be off-put, Brian, if there was just slop on a plate, if everything's piled together like it was in your stomach. Well, to a degree, yes, but if it tastes good, I'll look past it. I'm not even sure what we're arguing about. It's a weird one. Uh, Brian Blessings with I know. It's weird. Um, I want to get to the NFL draft here and, and what you like in a couple of minutes. We got Derby. We got Oaks to get to. I know you have a couple of big events coming up. First of all, what are you guys doing for the draft? Are you out and about? I'll be doing the radio show. We'll do our mock draft shows uh, on the Sports Grid Radio Network uh, with Chuck Esposito. We'll be out there at uh, Sunset Station. Thursday and Friday, and we're doing a derby seminar, 5.30 p.m. in the uh, race and sports book, 5.30 on Friday night out at Sunset Station. Wait, is there a chance you have the hammer in town, or is Hank Goldberg around? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Hank's around, and it. it's, it's like a coin flip, but there's a chance Hank's coming. I think it'll be me, Richie Yang from the Daily Racing Forum, Jerry J. Chuck Esposito, and maybe a cameo from Hammer and Hank. All right, so give us the uh, the skinny on uh, what's going on this week in terms of the races, the days, and the events. Well, Friday is the uh, that's the Kentucky Oaks, and that's basically the first leg of the Triple Crown for the Phillies. I really like a horse in that race, Steve. Uh, it's number five, past the Champagne, and it's Castellanos, the jockey, up for trainer George Weaver. Ran second in the Ashland Stakes, lost by a head to the horse that's the favorite in this race and had to wait for running room the last race. And I think, you know, they were tightening the screws for this race. It's ridiculous. There's no way this horse shouldn't be 15 to 1. It won't go off 15 to 1. Probably goes off 8 to 10 to 1 to pass the champagne in the Oaks. That's on Friday. So when we look at the at the big race up on Saturday on the Derby, uh, is, there, is there like a super horse? Is there a horse coming in that everybody's like, oh, this is the one? Well, essential quality is the, the favorite, Adam. And two to one, I think Mike Battaglia really knows what he's doing, but I think two to one's way too low for uh, him to be the favorite in this race. I think it's a really wide open crop of three year olds, and it all comes down to the pace structure of the race. I, I don't think there's, uh, you know, time will tell, but I don't believe this is a crop that's going to, you know, have a great three year old that's going to go on and go bananas. The race to me is wide open. The one that's the wild card is the number 17, Rock Your World. John Sadler, it's a Santa Anita horse, could get towards the front. I think be forwardly placed and be really tough. And has actually kind of used the prep that Animal Kingdom and Barbaro used. First couple of races on the turf. First race on the dirt, put the best buyer figure on the race up, winning the Santa Anita Derby. So if Rock Your World builds off that race, he's going to be a mythful. How many more derbies are we going to have? What does that mean? Well, it's... we're at 147. I know. How many more can we have? 
you know, 15,000. I mean, how many more are we going to be around for? That's what I mean. Will, okay, will the Derby still be going on in, in 50 years? As long as horses are around, why not? Okay. Well, I think Adam's claiming that it's not popular, but I, I, I wanted to ask you, with how big gambling has been here during the pandemic and now coming out of the pandemic and Vegas just had a, you know, a real good march and we've seen the handles around the country do really well. Uh, do you expect it? Should the Derby just complete, you know, completely kick ass in terms of wagering and interest? Well, I'm, to be honest with you, at the moment, there's contractual disputes between oh, no. uh, the big books and Churchill Downs, although some good news where you are. Uh, I was talking to Tony Neville today. Treasure Island's going to be offering track prices. They're going to book it themselves, but they got from gaming approval to do the graded stakes races on Friday and Saturday. So at Treasure Island, they will have uh, betting on a number of the Kentucky or the Churchill Downs races on the weekend. A lot of places are only taking the Derby and the Oaks. If if books went to that, would that help or hurt books in Vegas if they're just doing it themselves? Oh, no, it hurts. I mean, paramutual wagering, I mean, they're making, you know, uh, on a win bet, Adam, they make 18 cents on every dollar wagered. It's just yeah. a rake. Here, they're taking a risk if they're booking it themselves. So, I mean, they're actually sticking their neck out and, you know, putting themselves in a little bit of peril. The one thing they won't do are pick threes and daily doubles and pick fours in the big exotic wagering. But hopefully, you know, this stuff eventually gets behind us, but at least, you know, we're going to be able to wager on the Derby. And believe me, that was in doubt a couple of weeks ago. Hockey expert, horse expert, betting expert. He's got a show on the uh, Sports Grid Radio Network. He's over at KSHP with Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessings on the horn with us. I was listening to your show earlier today, real good show. And I thought on the draft you had uh, two big narratives. One, the real linchpin and, and intriguing player. I, I know everyone keeps turning to Justin Fields, but you do not believe that Mac Jones should be the number three pick. And maybe that changes uh, what happens in the first round. Unless... Unless my eyes are deceiving me, I think it's a smokescreen. I, I think, I honestly, I think if the Niners, please, you don't give up all that to go to three and say, I'm comfortable with any one of three guys, please. <laughs> I mean, they're there with a guy in mind. I'm, maybe I'm throwing a dart. I think it's Lance. I think they think there's upside for Lance. I think somebody trades up to get field, and then I think Jones could very well fall into the Patriots' lap. Ooh, okay. Mm. All right. Um, I know you have strong thoughts, not necessarily on Bridgewater to the Broncos, but announcing Bridgewater to the Broncos. And I kind of agree with you. Explain to the audience why you think the Broncos kind of botched this in terms of playing the draft. Well, I think them and the Panthers. The Panthers are picking eighth. The Broncos are picking ninth. If you were going to make this deal, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, pinky swear, hey, this is the deal we're going to do, but announce it after the 10th pick of the draft. That way, anybody that's allegedly trying to go ahead at Denver to get a quarterback, even though they know that deal's in place, Carolina could have got a windfall of picks. And even if somebody went up higher and went to Detroit at seven, that means a great player is going to drop in both Carolina and Denver's lap. Unless one of the two has taken a quarterback, why did they announce it today? I agree, because I think Carolina wants to move back. I'm not sure what Denver wants to do now. Uh, and that said, they could both go after a quarterback. But, uh, yeah, playing the game, I don't love it. Uh, game tonight. So, VGK is taking on the Avs. The Avs are, what, three games out of uh, another pause for COVID. And Vegas had a little time off. Is this number too low at minus 145 nights at home against the Avs? 
Well, I think it, it speaks volumes to how good Colorado is. And let's not knock Vegas. They the franchise record nine-game winning streak. But they've beaten the weaker teams in the West Division. Colorado's coming in here highly motivated. If they lose tonight, Vegas does open up a cushion. I think it's a really great entertaining game, coin flip. I think it's higher scoring. But the thing is, it really is important to the Avs tonight to at least get a point out of here. But if you look at the schedule the rest of the way, Steve, Colorado's playing, you know, uh, San Jose, Anaheim, L.A. Vegas has the tougher stretch with Minnesota and St. Louis. Uh, So the schedule is set up for Colorado to make a big push and come at Vegas. So, uh, trust me, they're both motivated, uh, but the Avs are coming in here really trying to send a message. I think the Golden Knights will will happily take this time off that they had uh, with the way the schedule has been, the grind that this season has been. Uh, Time off is good, but how, how concerning is the time off in terms of keeping that momentum going? Yeah, no, that's a good one, Adam. But but I would say this big picture, it's absolutely worth its weight in gold. They got a practice in yesterday. And you can count on one hand the number of actual practices the Golden Knights have had all year long. So it will reap rewards for them. That was quite a gauntlet they ran. They won the nine games. They beat the teams they should have beaten, which isn't that easy. I mean, you give them full marks that they're focused and show up every night. So, no, in the grand scheme of things, getting a break and getting a practice is a very beneficial thing for them. Brian, one more time, promote your seminar for the uh, horse racing. Thanks, Steve. Friday night, 5.30, racing sportsbook out at Sunset Station. We'll get you ready for uh, the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. And, you know, uh, then I'll be going home and watching the rounds two and three of the NFL draft till three in the morning on videotape. So be <laughs> yeah. it. Busy times. And, by the way, uh, I, in every mock draft, I've, I've made sure to give the Bills someone from Clemson. No. Please. No. Never again. <laughs> Trade down, trade down, and take the tight end from Penn State. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate it. See you guys. Yeah, Brian went on like a mini rant about every Clemson player they've taken. He was just like, Sammy Watkins, CJ Spiller. It's good. (laughs) He went nuts. All right, 5 o'clock hour is coming up. Uh, We'll actually, we'll squeeze in a little baseball. Um, Man, I I don't know. (laughs) I I hear expansion. I hear about the fees. I, I think baseball is in an interesting spot right now, but I just, man, I don't trust the leadership at all with Bobby Manfred. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside TI.